Today is the last Sunday before we enter the season of Lent. Can you believe that Ash Wednesday is already coming up this week? Today is also the last sermon in our series, Fresh Start. We've been making our way through chapter one of Mark's gospel, verse by verse. And this week we are looking at the last six verses of that chapter. These verses are about a man whose name we do not know. Mark simply refers to him as a man with leprosy. How would you like to be remembered for all time as a man with leprosy? Back then, though, that that really was all that needed to be said. Once you've got that fact established, literally nothing else about the man mattered. Not his name, not his age, not his likes or dislikes or talents or personality. The fact that he was a leper was all that mattered. Someone who was declared to be a leper was cast out of society. The law of Moses said that such a person was to live alone outside of the city, outside of the camp. They were to wear torn clothes and have unkempt hair. Can you imagine a law saying you have to keep your hair unkempt? They also had to cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean, anytime someone came near. When that is the life to which you've been constrained, people not remembering your name might be the least of your worries. What disease exactly this man had, we can't know for sure. These days, the word leprosy refers to a very specific kind of skin disease. Back then, the word that gets translated as leprosy could have meant a wide variety of skin diseases. Any skin condition that was recognized to be contagious and dangerous and incurable was called leprosy. They didn't know what caused these diseases or how they were spread. They just knew that you wanted to stay away from somebody that had one. If someone had a rash or a mole or a harmless blemish, well, you wouldn't want to condemn them to a life of isolation. You could usually tell the difference, even back then, between a minor skin irregularity and one that could spread to others and be dangerous. But somebody had to make that determination of whether someone was a leper or not. They didn't exactly have doctors that could do it. So it was left to the priests. After all, the priests were responsible for the purity and the order of the community. Leviticus chapter 13 gives specific instructions as as to how the priests were to examine a person with a skin malady and determine whether they were a leper. The first 46 verses of that chapter are all about examining skin conditions and how the priest can determine if it is a a disease that defiles. It talks about the color of the skin and the color of the hair in the skin. It talks about burns and boils and eruptions of pus and raw flesh and scars. The rest of the chapter talks about defiling molds. It's really a lovely part of the Bible. Let me tell you this, if you ever get some kind of gross skin condition and you think to yourself, well, the Bible says to take it to the priest, maybe I'll go show it to Pastor Andy and see what he thinks. (laughs) Stop right there. That is not my job. But in the Old Testament times, that was part of the priest's job. 
There's one phrase in that section of Leviticus that repeats over and over again. It's a phrase that I think is a sad commentary on what religion so often turns into. It says, when the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. That was the job of the priest, to pronounce a man unclean and cast him out of the community. Granted, there are other times in the same chapter where, given different conditions, it says the priest shall pronounce him clean, but still the priest was the one to conduct the examination and to pronounce the verdict, clean or unclean, able to remain in the community or having to be cast out. Regardless of which way the verdict went, think about the implications of that. The priest shall pronounce him unclean. Sadly, there are still those today who think that that is their job, to declare certain people to be unclean, undesirable, unwelcome. Those who don't measure up to our standards. Those who don't behave according to our customs. Those who speak the wrong language or were born in the wrong place. Those who fail to live up to certain parts of the law that we consider important, even though we downplay the parts of the law which we don't live up to ourselves. There are people who think that that is what religion is about, to pronounce some clean and others unclean. To declare some as accepted by God and others as unacceptable. If that was the job of the priest at some point in history, I thank God it's not my job today. You couldn't pay me enough to decide who's in and who's out. Sadly, there are plenty of people who are willing to do that for free. There's a reason that Jesus called the priests and the religious experts a bunch of hypocrites. There's a reason why some people today don't want to have anything to do with the church even though they love Jesus. I'm not saying that they're right for that, but I can understand it. So this man, this this leper, came to Jesus. That says something right there, the fact that he came to Jesus. As a leper, as an outcast, he was supposed to stay as far away as possible. If he saw a decent, respectable man like Jesus walking in his direction, he was supposed to yell out, unclean, and go the other way. But instead, he came to Jesus, and he begged Jesus on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There's a lot in that little statement. First of all, there's a tremendous amount of faith in Jesus' power You can make me clean. He didn't say, maybe you could give it a try, see how it goes. No, he he was declaring his faith that Jesus had the power to do it, which was really saying something because there was no way known of curing leprosy. Even today, with all of the miracles of modern science, there are still skin conditions that can't be fully cured. Back then, there was no hope. Nothing could be done. That's why lepers were cast out of society. There was nothing that anybody could do to make them better. But this man knew that Jesus could. If you are willing to do it, you can make me clean. He knew that Jesus could. That is a tremendous amount of faith in the power of Jesus. But what about the character 
of Jesus. Was he willing? He didn't know. Could Jesus care about an unclean outcast like him? No one else did. What everyone else cared about was protecting themselves from him. They didn't even remember his name. Would Jesus pay him any mind at all? The next thing Mark tells us is Jesus was indignant. Other ancient manuscripts say Jesus was filled with compassion. Well, which was it? Was he indignant that the man questioned his willingness to help? Or was he filled with compassion for a man bold enough to come to him? Was he indignant at the religious society that had cast this man out and made him feel like he was worth nothing? Or was he filled with compassion for someone he saw as a child of God? Can you be indignant and full of compassion at the same time? I think Jesus was, for all of these reasons and probably more. What's more important than how Jesus felt, though, is what Jesus did. The next thing that Mark tells us, Jesus did. He reached out his hand and touched the man. He touched him. Can you imagine? This man probably not felt the touch of another human in years, literally years, maybe even decades. We, we don't know how old he was or how long he was suffering. We do know that nobody else in their right minds would have come anywhere near him. But Jesus did. And not only did Jesus come near, he reached out and touched him. Oh, how good, how healing, how spiritually uplifting that touch must have felt. That, that leper probably would have felt like a whole new man that day, even if he hadn't been cured of his leprosy, just by the touch of Jesus. But he was cured. I am willing, Jesus said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Not only was Jesus' touch a balm to the man's soul, his word cured the man's body. The leprosy was gone just like that. That doesn't always happen. We know not everyone who prays to Jesus for physical healing gets the exact healing that they're asking for. I don't know why. I do know this. The, the Bible absolutely convinces me of this. It's not because Jesus can't, and it's also not because Jesus doesn't want to. Now, you may say that doesn't make any sense. If somebody didn't get the healing they were praying for, then either Jesus could have healed them and didn't want to, or he wanted to heal them and couldn't. The Bible says no. Jesus is all-powerful, and Jesus is all-compassion. If we don't get what we're praying for, it is not because Jesus is unwilling or wants us to suffer, and it's not because he's not able either. But we don't understand the way the whole big picture ties together the way that God does. To us, it's a mystery. 
And much of it will remain a mystery as long as we're in this life. But here is something that is not a mystery, something which we don't have to wonder about or doubt. Jesus loves us. No matter what. No matter what our condition or how it came about, Jesus is perfect love. Jesus wants us to feel whole and holy. He wants us to be righteous and clean. And he can make us that way. When when we but turn to him, he reaches out to touch us, to embrace us, to forgive us, to restore us, to make us clean, to make us whole. Jesus is willing. Be clean. After the man was made clean and given a fresh start in life, Jesus told him, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses offered for your for your cleansing as a testimony to them. I already told you about Leviticus 13. Now let me tell you about Leviticus 14. Leviticus 14 is all about what a person was supposed to do after having been cured of a defiling skin disease. Like I said, there there was no known cure at the time. But nonetheless, it did happen sometimes that a person who was thought to have an incurable leprosy did eventually get better. Perhaps there had been an error in the diagnosis. It was just a priest looking for various signs in the skin. He he could get it wrong sometimes and declare someone a leper, but whatever disease they had eventually went away. And even before Jesus, there were miraculous faith healings. There had to be some way for a person who had been cast out of society as a leper to be able to rejoin society once it was determined that they were no longer a leper. So if you find yourself being miraculously healed of what you thought was leprosy and you wonder what to do next, read Leviticus 14 and you'll know. It starts by going to the priest to be examined. And then there are two birds brought in and one of the birds is sacrificed and there's a lot of blood and then a ritual bath and then camping in a tent for seven days and then shaving off all the person's hair, including the eyebrows. I mean, these are very detailed instructions. And at the end of it all, the person is pronounced clean, and they can live a normal life again. But it all starts with going to the priest. And you can't go to the priest until after the leprosy is gone. These instructions are not about how to cure leprosy. They had no idea about that. But what to do to be declared clean if you happen to be lucky enough for the leprosy to go away. Jesus tells the man to go to the priest to offer the ritual sacrifice required in the law. Not because he needed that to make him clean, but as a sign to the priests that he had been healed and that it was the power of Jesus that did it. The man didn't go to the priests. He didn't do what Jesus told him to do. In fact, not only did he not do what Jesus told him to do, he did exactly what Jesus told him not to do. Jesus told him not to tell anyone except the priests. Instead, he went out and started telling everyone else except the priests. And because of that, Jesus' mission was curtailed. Mark says, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside 
in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Remember last week we, we read that, that people were searching for Jesus because they wanted to see him do more healings, more miracles. But Jesus chose to leave town and go preach the gospel throughout the region. And Jesus said, this is why I have come. That was Jesus' primary mission, to preach the gospel, to call people to repentance, to declare that the kingdom of God is at hand, to welcome people into the kingdom. That's why Jesus went away, to continue the work of preaching the message. But then this leper goes spreading the news to everyone about what Jesus did, and Jesus could no longer enter a town freely, meaning he couldn't go into the town and start preaching, either in the synagogue or on the street, because people were pressing in and clamoring for miracles before he could even open his mouth. So Jesus stayed in the lonely places, kind of like where the leper had been, right? Lepers were supposed to live outside the city in the lonely places. And now that's exactly where Jesus is living. While the leper he healed is now back in the city. It's almost like Jesus has traded places with the leper. Which is precisely what Jesus does for each one of us. When he takes our disease, when he takes our sin, our sickness unto death upon himself so that we might live. That is the fresh start that he gives to each one of us. When Jesus takes our place, when he puts himself in the lonely places so that we don't have to live there anymore. When he takes the pain of our sorrow upon his own shoulders so that we don't have to carry it anymore. When he takes the punishment of our sin to the cross so that we don't have to live and die by that sin anymore. We are given a fresh start, a new life in Jesus. Just like the new life that the leper was given. He was given a fresh start. He could live in society once again. He, he could be around people once again. He could hug and shake hands and hold conversations and carry out work and have friends and worship God with other believers. Everything he had been cut off from for years was restored because of Jesus. And so too... For you. We have all been cut off in one way or another at some time or another, but God promises to restore us. We have all been made to suffer, but in Christ we will be given joy and the strength to overcome. We have all run into dead ends, but in Christ we are given a new beginning, full of wide open possibilities. Jesus is willing. Jesus is able. 
Jesus is more than willing and able to restore double for all that we have lost. Let us go to him. Let us trust in him. Let us find in him our hope and our life, our new beginning, our fresh start. And let us use that fresh start according to his word. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for that fresh start that you have given to each one of us. For restoring us from those lonely places. For taking the weight, the weight that we have bared upon our shoulders and lifting that off and placing it upon your own so that you might carry us. Lord, thank you for restoring us, for cleansing us, for healing us in every way that you do, that we might receive and enjoy fullness of life abundant life that we have in you. Lord, help us to always be grateful for all the ways that you bless us. And let us use those blessings according to your word, according to your command, that we may witness in all the ways to which you direct us so that others might not be excluded but brought into the community because of that promise of your grace, of your power, of your willingness to forgive and restore and to build up. Continue to build us up, Lord, as your holy people, as your church, as your family, as your body in Christ. Lord, continue to pour out your Holy Spirit and your blessings upon us that we may be a blessing to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here it is, if you be driving around sometimes and you're listening to the radio, then you stop the car and then you go shopping or whatever you're doing. And the last song you hear when you leave the car is a song you continually hum and sing along with and it just sort of sticks with you until maybe the next time you're listening to the radio that's what we're trying to do here so we're playing a final song here and I'd like to do an experiment with it see how long this song lingers throughout the week because sometimes I'll do the last song and it's Thursday again time Thursday again time for the next practice and I'm still humming the Sunday Sunday's last song so so what better message to have to hum throughout the week than God you're so good but yeah I'd like uh, maybe next Sunday if somebody comes up to me and will maybe crown a winner <laughs> that says, you know, I was still humming it when I came into that service today. And we'll crown, we'll, we'll come up with a prize or something, but 
I, I think the greatest prize, though, is just continuing singing, God, you're so good. God. 